morning. I'm uh, going to take clergy privilege with Father Stan's permission because he did a good job on Jerusalem, so I'm going to let that go. Um, No, actually, as I was reading this, um, I read the entire passage that's written for today, and which we don't have. We have only a portion of it. Um, And I really want to talk about the narrow door as opposed to um, Herod and Jerusalem. So I am going to be reading to you from Luke 13, verses 22 through 30, which for those of you that want to follow, it's in your Bible on page 1033, or 1033, as I used to make my students say correctly. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. So the word that struck me as I was reading all that, and I read it from a different translation, so the words make every effort which in most translations is translated strive, was the word that struck me the most. Because Jesus normally says things like, come all you who are weary and I will give you rest. Or I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. The one that I know, the Jesus that I want to know, that I want to be with, is the one that would never throw out even a hint that someone would not be welcome in the kingdom of God. But here it is. Strive to enter that narrow door because it's hard to get into. So what is this about? Well, as we're reading this Gospel of Luke, we are now in the part of the last days of Jesus' ministry. And he set his face toward Jerusalem, and he knows there will be no turning back. He knows what lies ahead of him. And he knows what he has deposited in his disciples. He has healed all those who came to him, including a Roman guard's servant, 
a Phoenician woman's child, a Samaritan adulteress, and so many others with unspeakable diseases and mental disorders and demons. He's taught multitudinous lessons to multitudes of people about the grandeur of heaven and the depths of hell and the rewards and the cost of following him. And he's weary. And he's very aware of the brevity of time left to him. But he is not worried. And he's not caught off guard. So he speaks into the question, will few be saved? But it doesn't sound like an answer. It sounds like he didn't even hear the question. But he did. And the answer is, strive. Make every effort to be sure you can get through that door because it's pretty narrow. And once that door is shut, and make no mistake, it will come to that time. You won't be able to get through it no matter who you are. For Christians, for us, our natural response is to fall back on our acceptance of Jesus when we were baptized or when we really came to accept Christ. We're good to go, aren't we? We've been good at our duties. Church attendance, check. Tithing, check. Active in ministry, check. Prayers, check every morning, every night, reading our Bible, check, loving our neighbor. Wait, does that include the strange guy down the street? Okay, otherwise, check. All of these I have done to the best of my ability. But Jesus isn't asking you to tick off a list of your accomplishments. He already knows what you've done. He wants to know if you are truly committed. He wants to know, are you working on your relationship with God as much as you are working on that checklist? For some of us, for me definitely, that question leaves me squirming. Yes? Most of the time? I'm trying my best? Um, what do you mean by relationship? Isn't that the checklist? He doesn't give us enough of an answer on that one. He only continues and tells us that our knock will be answered with, I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. Hey, we say, it's me. You know, I ate with you. I drank with you. I listened to your lessons, which, good job teaching, by the way, though I wish you'd been a little bit clearer. But the answer returns, I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. Evildoers? We just gave you our checklist. We did what you told us to do, but there's no more talking. The door is shut. And there's something really unsettling about that passage.
Now I can try to explain it away as Jesus telling the Pharisees that they had it all wrong or telling all the Jews, you're going to be really surprised if you thought you were the only ones going to heaven or telling us that works aren't necessary but faith is and I'd be right and wrong on all three. Actually, I'd be missing the point completely whether I was right or wrong. There is not a person on earth that God doesn't want to see in his kingdom. Not a single one. Let that sink in as we're going through all the chaos of our world right now. Not a single person is not loved by God, past, present, or future. But, and this is such a big point, there are many people who don't love God. Oh, they love a God that they have created in their minds, a God who thinks like they do, a God who acts upon their wishes and their dreams, a God who is amused by their silly foibles. They want God to bless their motives and their actions, and they want a God that doesn't require of them any more than they're willing to give. But if you look at the disciples, you can't possibly follow that logic to a heavenly conclusion. He asked his disciples to give up everything. He particularly asked 12 of them to drop their lives and move in with him as he lived life for them. He didn't take a vote on where they were going, on who they would talk to or who they would heal or what they wanted to do. He moved and he expected them to move with him. I don't think there are many of us in this church, me in particular, that would be comfortable with chucking our lives, our family, our friends, our jobs, our checklist, just to follow an itinerant preacher. But Jesus didn't promise them comfort. He promised them life. Strive. The Greek word for that, which I cannot and will not pronounce, sorry, is the word that agony is rooted to. Agonize over that narrow door. Think hard about that narrow door. Get to that task before time runs out. Be sure that the narrow door is even the one you want to go through. Because there is a wider one, a much easier one, according to Matthew's account. Of course, it leads to destruction, but it is easier. Now, I searched the Bible looking for the right verse or verses to show us what strive might mean. And while I was doing that, I came across 2 Peter 1, 4 through 8. And that was where I stopped. 
Listen to what Peter, the once uneducated fisherman, has to say. He, meaning God, has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Can't argue with that. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, and that's Jesus he's talking about, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And boy, what an understatement that was. Now pay close attention to this part. For this very reason, make every effort, strive is what that means, to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound to me like sitting around resting on our blessed assurances. That sounds like working on a relationship, working on a transformation in ourselves that God is also working in us at the same time. I think Jesus in this passage is saying, be sure you are working out whether you are following me or just following a trend. Make sure you are committed to me 100%, not just on Sundays, but on those days when work is overwhelming, or even on those days when the fish are out there really biting. Make sure that I am front and center of your life, however that life is going. You made a good confession of faith when you agreed to accept me into your heart. Now grab hold of that eternal life you believed was yours then. It is. It still is. But don't take it for granted. Don't just assume that saying the words makes it real. Take a word of advice from Paul when he wrote to the Philippians, join in imitating me and take note of those who conduct themselves in accord with the model you have in us. To paraphrase that passage further, he says, those who are going the way of the wide gate, remember Matthew's wide gate, are thinking in terms of earthly gains, of wealth, of prestige, of job security, and they think they can make it under their own power. They think they can earn whatever points it takes to get into heaven. They don't even think about trying to tap into the power that God gave them. Don't you do that. You live with kingdom power, Paul says. 
You trust God for everything, even as you are working out your life on earth. Make sure you are living into that power. Folks, all we can do is our best by ourselves. And that's pretty wimpy stuff. But when we throw our trust in with Jesus, when we truly give up everything to him, what he gives back makes us more powerful in our lives than we could ever imagine. And I think when we give up our everything, we will find that what we gave him, we have received back tenfold or thirtyfold or even a hundredfold. So strive. Strive to be sure that Jesus is the one you're following. Strive to be sure that you are walking that path to the narrow gate. It's hard. It takes virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. But most of all, it takes a desire to hang out with the coolest guy I know. The one who loves us, each and every one of us, enough to say, I would die for you, and then did. Amen.